Hi everyone, my name is Mark Lambert, Harlequins rugby player. Uh, welcome to the first in what will hopefully be a new series of podcasts uh, from myself and the people at Quinns. Um, the name we're working with so far, and I like it, You, for those of you who know anything about my career may know why, is uh, the view from the bench. Okay. For those who don't know, the reason the view from the bench is significant is because I spent a lot of time on the bench for Harlequins. And to my knowledge, I'm actually the all-time record holder for appearances off the bench, which is either something to be proud of or not to share publicly, which I've just done. So uh, with me this week as my first guest is none other than All Blacks and Harlequins legend Nick Evans, who will be talking a little bit about his career, having a little bit of fun with us about music that gets him going and uh, joining into a, uh, hopefully what will be a new game at the end of the podcast. Uh, okay, so this week I've got with me Quinn's all-black legend, Nick Evans. I don't Good know about all-black legend, mate, but I'll take that, thank you. So yeah, Snap, uh, taking you back to, to your, your early days in rugby in New Zealand. Obviously, uh, Westlake Boys High. Yeah. Uh, was that where your rugby started? Did you start before that? No, I started before that. I um, I actually played football, believe it or not, uh, before I played rugby. I, I played a couple of years of, uh, of football when I was about uh, six or seven. And um, I think that actually probably helped me, uh, you know, become a kicker. Uh, you know, it's probably weird for people to think that, but kicking didn't really come naturally to me. Um, I did work pretty hard at it, especially in my uh, early days. Um, I just found it really found it really, really awkward for some reason. Um, but football really uh, really helped me. And um, from there, I, I, my mates, it was all just, I mean, rugby was fun. You know, I just wanted to play with my mates. And so uh, one of my mates' dads, uh, Pete Barr, his dad, Stephen, coached at Takapuna. And uh, I ended up going there when I was eight to the club and, and played rugby. and. Uh, those days it was barefoot on a Saturday morning um, at about eight o'clock in the morning and uh, yeah and that was it just playing with your mates and having fun and uh, remember my, old, my parents missed my first try they were out sailing uh, missed my first try so that was great I still hold that against them <laughs> um, but no and, and, and that was just it was club rugby up until pretty much school uh, until I went to West Lake Boys um, and uh, there's been some good actually a bar I think Christchurch Boys which is one I think is the best first five, well all black first five breeding ground. I think we're the next Westlake was myself, Frano Bodica, um, obviously Ben's dad and Luke McAllister came from there as well. So um, yeah, quite quite a good uh, pedigree of, of players there for the shore. You know, we're the little white boys on the other side of the <laughs> on the other side of the bridge, and uh, we're not the big island boys on the Auckland side. So um, yeah, that's probably why a lot of tens probably came from I mean, that area. I mean, let's be honest, now, Frano, Frano and Luke McAllister are hardly small. I think <laughs> that's true. Well, Frano was probably a one-man category. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know Luke's got ridiculous. You should see his old man and his granddad is ridiculous as well. But, but oh my god, unbelievable tree trunks, yeah. tree trunks. But um, so yeah, no Westlake boys, and I was it was I never I never was in the best teams all the way through. Um, I did make the first fifteen at the end. Uh, you know I would have been about sixty kilos soaking wet, um, so I was the little fella. And I didn't really set the world alight, but I managed to make it. I think it was the only 10 left at that time. So I managed to play and it was, I really enjoyed it. And then after that, it was straight to 
Club Rugby East Coast Bays and um, I kind of bucked the trend a bit there because everyone from Westlake went to Takapuna and uh, I just had one mate who was my best mate at the time, Andrew Congleton and we, uh, he was always East Coast Bays and he just kind of turned me to go there and, and, and so I bucked the trend a little bit and, and, and went there and uh, again just didn't make, I played 19s, 21s but just played the, the B side after that, the seconds and, um, and then the, the, this is where it all kind of kicked off, trying to do my university physio as well. Yeah, and yeah. Um, in the space of, I think, if I work it out, nearly maybe 20 months, I went from going from first Premier Rugby, making out of the second team to Premier Rugby, to Sevens, to ITM Cup, to Super Rugby, to All Black. And it was just, it, it was it was literally a whirlwind. When I look at it back now, it's, it's, it was crazy. It was, and some was just due to being seen at the right place at the right time to get into like an ITM Cup uh, side, which is like North Harbour or Auckland, like the provincial sides. Yeah. Um, and then just playing well, Luke McAllister got injured. Um, you know, I was being chucked on the wing. You know, I was trying to do physio. I couldn't make, I couldn't make um, training times or anything like that. And then he got injured and they had to have someone to play 10. I played 10 for the back half of the season. Played well enough to get a contract for Super Rugby. Played a year of that, or what was it, eight months of that. And then boom, just got selected for an All Black. So I mean, when I look back now, it's funny at this time, you know, when you look back yeah. and, you, and you think, oh my God, that was just, it was ridiculous how quickly it can change. And that's why I say to young, you know, young kids now, like you just gotta be, if you get an opportunity, if you can take it, yeah. That can be it. It's all you need. One little opportunity and you are gone. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, when you start to get a bit older and you actually look back on the things that dictated oh. the way things go in your career or your life or whatever and you actually, when you're young and everyone's got their story, you're like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you realise that most guys that have, uh, that have achieved something in the game have a story to go with it and whether exactly. it's, it came out of nowhere or you got your chance, you know, just through flogging yourself a year after year or whatever it might be, everyone's story is different. But um those little moments that you didn't think at the time meant anything, they no way they uh, yeah. end up defining the way things go for your whole life. So they do, and it is, and, it, and it's probably how I treat the game. Is like I never thought, I never thought I would be in All Black. It was, as I say, you know, it's a, people say it's a dream come true, but it, it literally is. When you're a young Kiwi boy um, growing up, you know, I remember watching the afternoon tests and then recreate going outside putting the All Black jersey on with your mates and recreating exactly what you had just seen most of the time the All Blacks were winning so yeah. you were running around um, you know chip kicks and being Jeff Wilson or yeah, yeah, or yeah. some of Frank Bunce or something like that and um, but to, to become one was uh, yeah it was unbelievable and yeah you were taught from a very young age to be humble about it and uh, it's still all the way through it's a value that I think most of the All Blacks yeah. are, are learned uh, and actually do carry through which is good and before we move on to uh, talking a bit about your time over here in England, Snap, um, you spoke a bit about home life. You said that your parents missed your first ride because yeah. they were they were off sailing. Is that one of the things you miss most about home? I know you uh, yeah. love getting out on the boat, love fishing. That's where the nickname Snapper came it from. Does. For anyone that doesn't know, no, I can. It is a fish called Snapper, and it's not a great story, but I'll probably tell it just for people that want to know. Um, it was down in Otago and we had a few Fiji, a lot of Fijians that playing in the side at that time. Um, and they, um, for some reason, oh, I love my fishing and, um, you know, I loved going out and catching snapper. And it was, it was a stupid conversation. I remember it now. I actually remember having it. And they were like, oh, you know, if you ever have a kid, you could, what are you going to call it? And I was like, oh, I just call it snapper. Love snapper, snapper. And then it was literally that. That was it. And no one thought any of it. The next day, you know, Fijians, Woo-hoo! 
we snapper. And then it was literally that, and, and and it just escalated. And now, like I in the rugby world, I am. That's what I'm known by. Yeah. Like even if I'll see past coaches, and it'll be snapper, and you know past players and things like that and uh, it was just one of those things that just took off and yeah I wish it was a better story but it was literally just a, a bunch of Fijians oh, that I thought it was funny <laughs> so yeah no it was brilliant um, so then obviously you had your astronomic rise to, to playing for the ABs as you said childhood dream and then made the decision a few years after that to come over to the UK you were how old at the time? I was 28 Okay, so 28, so still still reasonably young man. Yeah, I, um, I think so, yeah, I'd like to think so. Made decision, came over. What, what are your strongest memories from, from when you first arrived at the club? Um, so yeah, came like signed to come over. Um, it was after the 2008 Super Rugby campaign. I was with the Blues at that time, my last year. And um, so I arrived and I remember uh, Dean Richards picked me up from the airport and um, they'd organise a car for me and uh, being the typical New Zealander, like just growing up driving automatics, so boom, straight here's a manual in, uh, <laughs> in the city of London. So I had to follow them round, stalling it at every light. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I followed them, followed them round and then got me set up, which was really good. Um, stayed at um, Hal Luscombe's place. Okay, uh, one yeah, of his yeah, little yeah. places up in Queensbury Road. Ex-Welsh, yep. Um, I think he's got a few houses, so yeah, yeah. Uh, he's done very well. The so Fowler of rugby. Exactly. So he set me up, um, which was great. And um, I think it was the, the weekend, so it was Monday, it was the next day, and um, obviously we were training at Roehampton. <laughs> Turned up and um, obviously met the boys. I think Robbo was the first one I, I saw, if I remember rightly. He was sitting out there and... Um, just g'day, how you going? And then that was it. You straight into it, and um, oh, it was br- it was brilliant. You know, I kind of turned up from Super Rugby with you know fantastic um, you know places to train and work to this little old brick building in the middle of nowhere yeah. on the bit of a park down there. So, no, but it was. It, and then when I look when you, as you say when you look back now, it's uh, you can laugh about it, but it was it was fantastic. It was good, such a great time, and I remember the first night out with the boys and you know DC taking me out into London and I'm just like what's going on here <laughs> got my camo pants on <laughs> if there's one guy to take you on a night out in London especially oh, about exactly. Days, uh, oh yeah exactly I was just showing what, what show life was place. really about over here in London so that no, was it was brilliant and I think the fact that me being the only Kiwi at the club although we had Stevie and, and, and Tunny um, the island boys as well but I think it just it allowed me to get to know you boys yeah. a lot better, a lot quicker, which is which was actually in the long run. Looking back, was was brilliant. And now, mate, obviously moving on, when facilities have changed a bit, a lot. Some great facilities down in Guildford, ex- expanding all the time. Got a new gym. It's we don't want for a lot. And uh, who'd have thought, mate, when you signed as a 28-year-old, now be staring down the barrel of 200? As I mean, obviously. I know I know what it meant to me when I achieved it. Um, it's it's you know this is the club I've always loved and there's something very special to me. But it's almost I imagine it's different and and just as special and special in a different way for someone to come from overseas with a view of playing for a club. You don't know how it's going to turn out to then eight nine years on be be looking at, at joining a, a pretty small list of people that have played 200. But, but it blows my mind. Um, you know when I look now from where I am. For where I was when I first came over, you know, I've I've worn some pretty special jerseys. Um, you know, obviously one being the black jersey, um, but I can definitely say 
This, the other one would be the Quinns jersey. Um, if I had to go to, to two special jerseys, I mean, this club has just been amazing, and I never, never thought for one moment that I would be here uh, this amount of time and for 200 games. Um, it's uh, it's been a big part of my life, and you know, look now with with three kids, like the young ones, well, actually all of them, especially they only know Quinns. That they, they, they don't really know yeah. that I play. You know, obviously they, I can say I play for the All Blacks, but they never saw me. Um, you know, Harry, Billy, and Livy. You know, they come and watch me play, and um, probably Billy not so much, but <laughs> <laughs> being four or five months old. But but Harry especially, you know, he he, he only knows Quinns, and yeah. and he absolutely loves it. And um, I think that's been a big part of it is. When I came over, I, I made sure I, I picked a club that suited me, and everything about the club suited suited what I was, and and, and I made the decision, and and uh, I've just been repaid by the, the club's been fantastic, the fans, um, but won't make you cry, but the boys have probably been unbelievable. You know, the best part of it. You know, I've had some so many enjoyable times. Um, we've had bad times, but. The good times totally outweigh everything that I could have possibly imagined when I first came over. And 200 games, I mean, I don't know how, if any like All Blacks ever done that to come over and play 200 games, but it's for me... Certainly not many. No, I mean, 200 games. I mean, you are on... If you did that in New Zealand, you'd be leading sports story. You'd be front page of the Herald, New Zealand Herald, things like that. It's a, it's a, big, it's a big deal for me. And, um, yeah, I'm very, very proud and honoured to wear the jersey and the 200th time will be will be absolutely amazing. And, and as if that wasn't enough, obviously we've spoken a little, about the, a little bit about the history of the All Blacks and the Maoris and that, that where you've come from, from a rugby culture, to be doing it in the 150th year of this club as well, um, just makes it that little bit more special when you think of, think of the journey the club's been through to get here and then to be achieving that it, in this year. It does, mate, and you, exactly the same for yourself, you know, like... The sun, well, it feels like when you look back, you think, jeepers, what were you, 13 years, 12, 13 yeah, years? Yeah, 13 years, yeah. You know, it feels like a long time, but the sun, in concept of 150 years, the sun only shines a little bit on you. And, yeah. um, you know, you've got to try and make the most of it. And this is our time, and you look back at all the, you know, the festivities that we're, that we're going to have and the, and the dinners and look back at the people that have been involved in the club. Um, you know, I can look back at the New Zealanders that have been involved with the club and... Uh, you just you just meet people that you know. I had a guy from the other day who coached me back in two thousand one in the New Zealand Barbarians, and I had no idea he he was here. He coached. He was a backs coach in nineteen seventy nine, and I, I had no idea. And it was just people that came over and were, um, you know, linked to the club somehow. And um, it, it's fantastic. It was such a great achievement for the club uh, to be around that long, such a historic club, um, and for me just to be a part of it. And two hundred games in the hundred fiftieth year is. It's just, yeah, the icing on the cake, and um, it's, yeah, look forward to it. So, um, obviously, the obvious question when you get to a milestone like this, people are going to ask you about favourite games, favourite wins, those sorts of things. Um, I'm sure you've been asked that a few times. Put a bit of a different twist on it. Obviously, you spoke a little bit earlier about your, your, your starting in football and how that mm. turned you into a bit of a kicker, and you've certainly knocked a few over for us. For us in the years. Um, before I ask you what the, what your favourite is, I thought I'd just um, try and get a bit of an insight into, you know, that process you go through when you're kicking from from when you know that we've we've scored the try or, or we've got that penalty and we've decided to go for posts. What is it? What, what what are the triggers in your mind? What do you go through? Obviously, those of us that know you well see you practicing it time and time again out on the field and 
and I'm sure that you have those things you go back to every time and I, I think it'd be really interesting to get an insight yeah. into people look at look at me the way I kick and I always think I feel a bit ungangly when I do it you know the old, the old arms probably don't help but um, and I can tell you why I'll tell you why I do that um, but yeah I guess for me um, it's important to be comfortable in that position I mean, there's no point being a kicker if you're not comfortable with, with that pressure and that's something that I think you only get with experience and I think I've missed a lot um, you know people obviously remember the ones that you get the big ones that you get but for me it's weird that I remember probably more so the ones that I miss uh, where because it's, you, you do think that you let, the, you let the team down and I, because it's such a crucial position but but yeah I mean you know say we, we, we've got a penalty and probably the process that people want to think uh, or want to know what I go through um, obviously it's like see how far it is out <laughs> have a look uh, nope or <laughs> or yep and um, once you've made that decision sometimes that, that it's distance shortening down it is short, shortening down or? people have probably <laughs> probably noticed that and um, I apologise for all the Quinns fans out there they're like oh Evans is not Kiwi, he can't kick it from 45 metres anymore. It's like, I can't kick it from 45 metres anymore. My hips don't, don't allow me to do that, so I apologise to you all for that. Um, but sometimes it's funny that um, you talk about that decision to take it uh, to shoot for goal. Sometimes it's just taken out of your hand. Like DC will just point to the posts, or someone will just go no, or someone will tap and run, or someone. So sometimes it's taken out of your, you know, you just see the force into it, or you're like, yep, I fancy this, or and then, and then it's just gone. So. But no, you've got to be, um, when you get it, for me, it's just, um, yeah, as you referred to, it's all about routine, it's all about repetition and feeling comfortable. For me, I approach every kick out there in the field in front, it doesn't matter whether it's in front of the stoop or over at Twickenham in front of 80,000. To me, it feels exactly the same, and I treat it exactly the same as if I'm kicking, like you see me practice in front of nobody, just kicking it to Toffley behind the post, or if no one's there. It, for me, the, they are the one and the same, and, um, and that's how I treat it. So. Very rarely would I go into the game, uh, or, or I'll go to take a kick, and as soon as I feel a little bit different, I'll, I'll stop and go back and start again, because you, you want to feel that comfort level, you want to feel that that repetition that you've done. Oh yeah, I feel I know this. I know this the ball set up properly. I feel the I feel in the same position. So I guess a lot of people want to know why I swing my arms. <laughs> I didn't do it when I first came over, and I never used to do it in New Zealand. And I think when I first came over, I was. Um, I had to adjust to like English conditions and English crowd. Obviously in New Zealand they yell and boo and whatever, so it's one big noise here. Obviously they go quiet. And so that took a while to get used to, you know, because all of a sudden you're like, you're always looking at me. Yeah, like, you always used to say to me that you prefer the noise. Yeah, I prefer yeah, the noise. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd rather have like a whole big noise because you know half the people haven't been looking at you because they're all just yelling and probably having a good time on the beers or whatever. Um, but here you know that everyone's everyone's quiet, so everyone's looking at you because their attention's on you. And then obviously you get a drunk dude in the stand probably yell out and then and people think oh you won't hear it but you do hear it like so if someone just yells out something funny or whatever like and everyone laughs it's like well you can actually hear that so um it took a while to get used to um and i didn't kick very well i don't think not to my standards i, I think i was kicking about 70 percent the first couple of years when i first came over so i had to get used to it and i was struggling a little bit with my rhythm and i just felt that i wanted to get through the ball a little bit more so for you that are listening, obviously, right now I'm thinking, you know, I'm just pushing my hand forward going, you know, I want to kick through the ball, you know, push my through and then it kind of stemmed, oh, I'll just push push my arms forward a little bit. I started swinging my arms and lo and behold, I managed to get through the ball a bit more and I upped my kicking stats to around 80 and I think last year was my best year, believe it or not. I think I was kicking 87% through the year. So, 
um, and all of a sudden when that happens, if your stats go up, you can't, you're not changing, you're not changing it. And, and unfortunately, as, and I know I look like an absolute idiot, a dickhead, but unfortunately it's, I can't stop it because it is what it is. And um, yeah, it's, um, it, well, it is super well, well, yeah, no, and you know, I've, as you say, you know, I've, I've, I've made some kicks, but it's funny, I always remember the ones that I've missed, and um, and that, that kind of spurs me on to keep practicing and keep, you know, you're always looking for that perfection, and um, you know, as a 10, I guess I am probably am a bit of a perfectionist, and when it comes to kicking, I'm the same as well. Okay, then, well, it, seeing as you said you always remember the ones you missed, worst miss ever? Oh, dear, um, worst miss, I mean... I don't, when I think about it, I think I've, I've, I've had a few where... I remember one in Otago when I missed... Oh, this is not a Quinn's one, where I missed to win the game. And I always remember that against the Hurricanes at, at, at the Cake Tin. There's a couple here. I missed a penalty when we played um, when we played Claremont. And it's, just, it's little ones like that that really annoy me. The ones that probably people expect you to get that are a real awkward position, 15, 20 metres to either side of the post, where people think from the outside, oh, they should be getting this. For, as a kicker, it's a very, very awkward position because it's not straight in front. Uh, you're not quite out wide where you can, it uh, kind of opens it up a little bit and you can kind of give it a real big whack. It's kind of in the middle and naturally you kind of chip it yeah. and you can't chip it. It's like golf, for anyone that play golf, you just can't, you can't decelerate on it. It's exactly the same principle. And um, yeah, so that one, that one was disappointing. Um, Oh, I'm just trying to think. You could probably tell me ones that I've, no, I've probably missed. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, but I was actually trying to think of the many that you've missed. Yeah, I mean, I mean. So oh. what, what, what about what about your favourites then? Um, oh, look, I think um, I've kicked a few in the big game to draw, which Leicester. has been pretty good. Leicester yeah, Leicester, the very that. first one, um, that was pretty big. Or Gloucester in the big game, but I mean, every uh, there's obviously one, obviously that probably everyone will think was the, the Amelin Cup and to be honest it, it would have to be that one because that encompasses everything of why you train, why you do everything, the kicking and, and the ones that you miss that spurs you on and on to get a position like that where it's down to you, it's a big kick, it's uh, you've got to nail it, you know you're going to win pretty much if you get it over uh, and that was and I remember now like just thinking and I was so excited to take it and I think that's the mindset that, that you have to have. I was so excited to take it. Gonzo scored, everyone was going mental, and probably apart from me, because I knew that I had to kick it. Everyone's yeah. like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! And, but oh like, my God, I've still got to kick it. He's still got to kick it from the sideline or five metres in. And But I was so excited. I was so excited. Um, and yeah, and I managed to keep my rhythm. And, and you, need, you need a bit of luck sometimes. You know, you need a bit of luck. Uh, sometimes you kick and the wind, you think the wind's gusting and it doesn't. And you look like a mug because you kick it you know, five metres to the right, and you're like, and everyone's like, oh, and yes, I can hear you when you go, oh, <laughs> in the stadium, so, um, yeah, but, oh, look, it's, it is what it is, and, you know, I've, I've, I've embraced it as, um, as best I can, and, yeah, you get down when you miss, because, you know, you let the boys down. And then, uh, just final question on this section, mate, so, obviously, all goes well, running out for your 200th, looking like it's probably going to be Bath at home. Mm. Um, What's going to be going through your head in those in those moments when you lead the boys out? Um, obviously, I'm guessing you're going to have the family there 
Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, um, we actually think, I was thinking about this the other day, whether I'll try and get Harry to run out, but he'll probably freak out, because <laughs> he hates loud noises, so um, he'll probably freak out and go have a meltdown, so I don't need that going into a, a game against Bath, so, no, look, I mean, I just have a huge amount of pride, um, you know, I don't want to go back on what I've said before, and but, you know, I've, this club's given me so much, and I've uh, been very proud to wear the jersey as long as I can, and, um, you know, I was, I'll just be looking to looking to play a good game, mate, really. I'll be focused and, and, and try and get the points because that's what it's all about in the end. And I think, for me, it'll be after the whistle when I sit in the change room, you know, win, lose or draw, um, you know, have a beer and, and, and just kind of go, yeah, that's a, that was a hell of an effort, you know, to get to 200. And it's not that I'm going to stop there, you know, obviously got a few more left in me, but um, the time for real reminiscing will be when I finish and... Um, you know, but I'll, I'll definitely savour the moment. And in front of this crowd, the crowd's been absolutely fantastic. And you know, for for a foreigner to come over here to be embraced by the Quinns fans is is has been absolutely amazing. And I, I I can't thank them enough really. And I've actually had a moment the other day where I just sat down in, in the members bar and just kind of sat there and just talked to a few of the fans. And it was just great to see their their memories and 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 see how they are excited about things as well. So yeah. A feature we're going to bring in um, every podcast, every time we bring it out, is a champagne moment of something that's been going on in the rugby world. It might be a beautiful piece of play, it might be um, just something, great sportsmanship, whatever it might be, we'll, uh, we'll give some details at the end if people want to make suggestions on, on what they, they might think uh, fits for it. Uh, but to kick things off for, the, for my champagne moment, I'm going to make the call on the first one, seeing as, uh, seeing as I'm in charge. Um, <laughs> So the, fir- the first, the first uh, champagne moment of the podcast is going to be the way the Maoris showed their respects to Anthony Foley before uh, their game against Munster. I think uh, for anyone who loves the game, for anyone who you know holds the values of the game dear to their heart, the way the way they did that, the class that they did that before going out to battle against you know two of the most iconic, the Maoris and Munster, two of the most iconic teams in in world rugby. I just thought that was a great moment snap and. Um, yeah, I just hats off to them. I thought that it it was brilliant and it showed everything that's good about yeah, the game. That's rugby family, isn't it? You know, I think that's something well you brought up with, and I think it's still in the game, which is which is a huge thing. Is that when something, some one or a club goes through bad times, you know, I think the whole world of rugby kind of rallies around, and none more so than um, obviously the tragic news when we heard of it of uh, Anthony Foley, and um, I think uh, there was. You know, you see Ronan O'Gara and what he said, and and, and everyone involved with with Irish and Munster rugby. But it still goes on, and you know the New Zealand Mary are very, very proud people, uh, proud team, and uh, they show a lot of respect. And um, you know, to go out there and, and do what they did, I think, yeah, it was it was fantastic, and it was really appreciated by the Munster crowd as well. And I think everyone and everyone watching, and uh, it's just a great token, great gesture, um, just to show that we're still thinking and. You know, there's still an arm um, there to, to, to be put around and uh, if, if anyone needs it and uh, it was great. It was great to watch, great to see and then um, and then as like with rugby it's just straight on, get onto it to go out there and smack each other. Yeah. Um, and but then also have a beer afterwards, which is which is exactly how it should be. So that's our, that's our first champagne moment for the podcast. So now moving on to the, the next section. Hopefully this is going to be something we'll revisit uh, every time we, we do one of these. For those of you that like their podcasts, as I do, um, or listen to a bit of uh, one of BBC's finest stations, um, there's a little show to do with uh, what music you take with you if you were, you were stranded somewhere you wouldn't want to be on your own. Um, 
We're not going to completely rip up, rip that off, but essentially we're going to, uh, just with a slight rugby twist on it. So we're going to call it rugby discs at the moment, but we'll uh, we'll probably work out something slightly better than that. Um, and we're we're gonna have we're gonna have four categories uh, for each listener, uh, sorry for each uh, for each guest. So obviously this week it's Nick Evans, and the categories are going to be family album, the drive home, the changing room game changer, and the career definer. And we'll we'll discuss each as we go through. All right then. So snap your rugby discs. Kicking it off with category one, the family album. So it could be something that makes you think of your youth, your family now. It's up to you. That's the category. Yeah, I've, um, I've picked a song that reminds me of my youth. I, um, one thing being away on this side of the world is that obviously you don't get to see the family as much. And uh, for all the great innovations like Skype and everything like that, which is fantastic to see um, family, see grandkids and all that, there's nothing like going back home or getting them over here. And um, when I grew up, my old man, um, he's been stuck in the 60s forever. And um, growing up, just listen to 60s music all the way through and uh, it's not until now that I look back and actually appreciate like how good that music actually is and it, it makes me now you know I still listen to Gold FM I'm, I'm <laughs> such a I'm such a nana but um, <laughs> but I do I do I love I just love that 60s music I remember at the time I was getting into my teenage years I was like oh this is horrendous dad this is you're so not cool this is I don't want to listen to this let's put Rage and you know Pearl Jam and all that on. some offspring yeah um, but you know, it's funny, the uh, the older I've got, the more I've actually learned to appreciate it a bit more. And my brother's the same, he's five years younger. But um, this song is something that the old man used to play a lot. And um, it's something that I really caught on to. I'm not one for like really listening to lyrics and understanding songs so much. I'm more just listen. If it sounds great, it's, it, it's, uh, it's all right with me. But this one, uh, because it's such a great story, great, you know, kind of simple story. And it's short and it's... Uh, for me, uh, it sums uh, it sums up really what's really great about about the music and uh, and the song itself. So it is Willie Nelson and Seven Spanish Angels. Love that, mate. Really niche beginnings. Let's have a listen. You can hear the coming. He said, "This is my last fight. If they take me back to Texas, they won't take me back alive." There were seven Spanish angels at the altar of the sun. They were praying for the lovers in the valley of the gun. Nice, strong beginning. Strong, mate, Excellent, very strong. Mate. Takes, <laughs> I've never even been there, but it takes me right back to the end zone, <laughs> circa like early 90s. Yeah. Just, Heading out on the yacht, heading on the boat, going for a sail. Nice, mate. Uh, okay, then, Snap, on to the drive home. It's wet Tuesday, long day. We've been getting flogged. It might have been <laughs> snowing. You've had your feet stamped on. We've done double rugby. It's miserable. You're trying to, trying to mellow out on the way home before you get home to the family. What is the drive home tune? This is a very important song for me because mellowing out before I get back to the circus of three kids when I get home is very, very important. So I don't take the, uh, the mindset of a double, chew, double rugby Tuesday where, we're, yeah, as you say, getting absolutely flogged, although I'll probably have my red bib and shorts on, <laughs> yeah. so I wouldn't be getting flogged too much in terms of contact. No change there, mate. No change there, so that's what happens. Over, th- over 35, you can do what you want in terms of Tuesdays. But um, no, look, I, um, uh, I, I grew up, Obviously, late 90s, 2000s, um, and my favourite band at the time was Pearl Jam, 
and I used to listen to it a lot, especially when I was down in Dunedin, um, early 2000s, playing for Otago, and um, I didn't have long hair. Uh, I wasn't too much of a bit of a grunger, but I did enjoy their songs, and um, I did wear a few black t-shirts. And yeah, a few we'll black be talking jeans. like baggy, je- baggy <laughs> jeans, maybe a chain in the you pocket. D- oh, you <laughs> took it words right out of my mouth. I did have the chain out of my pocket. It was brilliant. Rocking some like some Vans or some DCs yeah, or something. With my yeah. Velcro wallet. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I had I was everything. But um, no, I used to um, I used to listen to this song a lot um, down in Dunedin, and um, it's something that I still listen to now. It still reminds me of. Um, my time's back at home a little bit uh, in terms of rugby, but also it's a good mellow out song for me, uh, and that is Pearl Jam, Nothing Man. snap I can just see you <laughs> stuck on the A3 on the way home just slowly oh, rocking yeah. your head to that one everyone's going mental road rage and things like that I'm just like chill out man it's alright don't worry let's do a bit of Pearl Jam it's all good <laughs> good man I like that moving on to the changing room game changer um, title TBC but you know I quite like it I think it's quite a good one so um, that can be pre-game post-game after a win whatever Whatever it is, that one tune in the changing room, what is it, Snap? Okay, well, I'm going to go post-game. Um, and this is, this is kind of a new, newish song for me, really, I guess. Um, again, show my age. But um, it, songs in the changing room, actually, for me, like it was, it was a new thing when I came over. In New Zealand, we never had any songs, um, either pre or before, or maybe a little bit after, but nothing definitely before. People listen to their headphones and things like that. But when I came over here, having music in the changing room for everyone before was something I, again, had to get a little bit used to. Um, and we've had some good good DJs. Uh, old JJ, James Johnson, was pretty yeah. good. He used to mix his own. I think he still does. Um, but this song is something that um, popped up a couple of years ago and um, it was obviously a very influential song and a certain um, getaway for myself that uh, that was organised by yourself and Will Skinner. Um, well, probably Will Skinner more. Yeah. Uh, give him the plugs for that because he'll kill me if he... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd be devastated. Yeah, he won't give me any credit for that. No, he won't give you any credit. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, no, Skinner's did an amazing job for my stag and um, this was a big, big song uh, at the time and, um, yeah, we went nuts on a couple of a couple of times on this and obviously when we came back it kind of stuck around and uh it, yeah it, it just reminds me of the good times you know as i said coming over here being the only kiwi and uh it does remind me of just you know the friendships that i've made and the bonds um with you boys and uh yeah the old cheerleader song um yeah i mean here, the, I think. yeah this is showing this is showing our age here like so <laughs> so snap said this is a bit of a new song and i'm exactly the new category and i don't know whether it's omi or omi so you know <laughs> either oh o, either omi or omi uh, either or but this is uh this, this is, is cheerleader I'm pretty do I make you feel like cheating? I'm like, no, not really, cause oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. She is always right there when I need her. Oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. She is always right there. 
There my, you go, mate. Hey? My, my, actually, my uh, Harry, my three-year-old, he actually sings a bit of that. He can sing the chorus of that too, because obviously Sally and Livy play that a lot as well. But um, so yeah, no, some good times, very, very good times. Yeah, mate. I, uh, I was right there with you. I was right there with you. Um, okay, then, mate. So moving on uh, to the final category, the the career definer. Uh, this can be all-time favourite song, something that will always make you think of, of your career, whatever it is, let us know. Yeah, no, this one um, is something that I've listened to. I actually got into this song kind of, of a different way. I didn't realise um, until after I heard like a, the riff of this song has been used in a few other songs. And um, again, going back to my grunge days, used to listen to uh, Rage Against the Machine a little bit. And a certain song, Wake Up, uh, has the intro for this song as well. Uh, and I believe uh, Puff Daddy's used this song in a certain uh, Godzilla movie as well. So oh, for yeah, those yeah, of you yeah, out there um, that might be getting towards, might be thinking who it is, you, uh, you'll be right on track. But um, no, I've, I've, I've listened to this song once I got into the original and um, just used to have it in the car. And um, it's just something that I've always enjoyed. I, I obviously play guitar, a bit of guitar, and when we got a guitar um, given to us uh, from the All Blacks in the 2007 World Cup, they, um, the All Blacks and Fender and Adidas got together and they made 70 guitars and gave it to, gave it to the group, so... That's I, pretty sweet. That yeah. was pretty sweet, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't know how to... As stash goes. stash goes, I tell you what, it's up there is, in terms of uh, things I've been given is, is pretty cool, so I, um, I thought I'm going to have to teach myself guitar, so I, I taught myself it and... Um, Wonderful Tonight was the first song, and then this was the second one. And um, I think the riff is just awesome. Uh, I think it's unbelievable. I can't play it that well, but um, it's, uh, it's amazing. And uh, that is Led Zeppelin, Cashmere. There we go, the career definer. Um, decent selection, mate. Thanks, um, bud. Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, first one, setting the bar high for some of the boys. I feel like we uh, we may have a few different decisions from a few I, other members of the squad. I think as you go Showing lower your age in your age, bit, mate. <laughs> I think if you go age. lower in age, you're going to get um, a few more. God, if someone puts like Taylor Swift or something, I'm going to be very disappointed. Almost guaranteed. <laughs> Okay, right, so a section, a section we're going to be trying doing every week, again, for anyone who's a big fan of BBC Radio or, uh, or likes listening to a bit, of, uh, a bit of Radio 4, there's an iconic game called Just A Minute. Now, using my incredible levels of creativity and trying to put a slightly rugby twist on this, slash Harlequin's twist, I've, uh, I've named this Jester Minute. You can see the pun there. Very good. Excellent, everyone enjoys it. Okay, so we are going to give our guest a topic... Nick, do you know what the topic is yet? I do not know. He does not know what the I'm topic happy is about yet. This he's he's going to find out about two seconds before we start. Anyone who knows the game knows that the rules are he has to speak for as long as he can, preferably a minute, without hesitation, repetition or deviation. Now, I think this is going to be quite hard, especially for some of the rugby boys. Not necessarily snap, but a few of the others. So hesitation, we're going to be very strict. Deviation, we're going to be very strict. Repetition... We'll see, we'll see how it goes. No, no repeating of phrases, but we're not going to say you can't repeat words. 
So this is a bit of fun. We're going to start a leaderboard. Snap, you're going to be the first one on it. If you can get a minute, then then you're kind of winner already. I don't no think that's chance. going to happen. No chance. So on <clears throat> when I say go, Nick, I'm yeah. going to need you to talk for a minute without hesitation, repetition, or deviation, given what we've been discussing so far about fishing. Ready, go. Mark, this is probably one of the greatest things I could be talking about. Fishing from when I was young, from planet zero. In the womb I was fishing. But I came out and uh, this is... Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, he was going oh, no. so well. He's going oh, so no. well. And he, this uh, is... he lost it after 12 oh. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you actually gave me the best topic and I was so excited. That hesitation, then... mate. Oh, I, mean, I tell I you what, I think people will do a lot worse than that. So oh. um, we'll kick it off with... Uh, 12 seconds. 12 second leaderboard. Oh, no. Snap. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for talking about the game, about your career, having a bit of fun with us with the discs and the just a minute. I know you're still kicking yourself about that arm <laughs> after 12 seconds, but don't worry, mate. Uh, if you behave well, we'll let you have another go at some point in the future. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, mate, and fingers crossed I'll be out there sharing the field with you for your 200th. Look forward to it, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, for those of you, as I said earlier, uh, if anyone is looking to get in touch, then there is a Gmail account, which is called theviewfromthebench at gmail.com. So send us a message, let us know what you think. We're very much in the early stages of doing this. It's something that we'll hopefully be able to continue and will evolve into something that you guys will want to listen to more and more. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you and see you next time.